And we are going to get right into our final lesson. So for those of you who haven't been here, you're just tuning in. We have been, been doing a four-week series on the mobile phone and the Christian home. And it's, uh, we haven't been doing it every Wednesday, but every other Wednesday. And this is now our final lesson right here, lesson four. And how many of you did not get, uh, you still need a handout? We got one up here. I don't know if there's anybody back there. Johan, we do have one person that needs one here. Two, two, three, three. All right, you keep your hand up so he knows who you three are. Don't be shy. Oh, there's one down there as well. He'll go around. All right, there's a couple over here as well. He's busy tonight. All right, while he's passing those, keep your hands up so he, uh, he'll find you. And we're in Ephesians chapter 6. This is kind of in our theme passage here, Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd like to make your way there, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we've gone through, we've talked the last couple of weeks that I've been teaching. We've gone through some ways that we can help protect ourselves and our, our young people, our children in our home from this, this internet-aged world that we live in. And for those that have cell phones, that have uh, mobile phones, that have access to the internet anywhere and everywhere, it's very dangerous and we need to be aware. And we've been talking about those the last several weeks. So this is kind of the conclusion of our series and how we need to be careful with this this tool that has been given to us. And this tool can be used for evil. This tool can be used for good. And I'm speaking primarily of our phones or our, our immediate access to the internet and how dangerous and how profitable it can be depending on how we use it. And I have a lot of information that I'm trying to cram into this last lesson. So I may go fast. So I only gave you a certain amount of blanks. I try to give you some space if you want to squeeze in some notes in between each, each point. Or maybe I'm going to be saying a lot of uh, scripture references. So you can jot down a few of the references in between if you'd like. And uh, we'll just do our best to keep along. But this is technically almost, I think, an eight-week series, I think, that I'm trying to I crammed into four. So we'll see what the Lord does here. And let's go right into it. So we're going into now 12 protections. 12 protections to guard yourself and guard your children from this internet age that we live in, the mobile phone. Protection number one, be in control. Be in control. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Parents have God-given responsibility to be in charge of whether, when, and how a teen or even themselves uses their phone or anything else for that matter. So you have the responsibility to be in control of what your kids are listening to and what they're watching. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we progress. But remember, when I'm speaking about your kids, I'm also speaking about you as well. You can't expect your kids to do something if you're not doing it yourself. You can't, expect, you can't take everything away from your kids because you don't trust them. And when you're not doing something on your end to show that you're doing your part. So there needs to be a balance. Now, parents must remember what the Bible says about children. Now, Proverbs 22.15, I'm going to read it for you. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart. Foolishness is bound in the heart. Spe specifically, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. 
children are born foolish. They're simple. They need guidance. They need direction. And that's, of course, where the parents come in. The kids don't know how to do anything. They know how to cry and say no. You don't have to teach them that. But you have to teach them how to say yes. You have to teach them to be respectful. Without you, the kids have no chance in life. So kids don't have wisdom. They have foolishness. And we, it is our job to teach them that wisdom. And if you give them a phone and you don't teach them how to use it, you are going to raise up foolishness. In man's old flesh, there is no good thing. Romans seven eighteen talks more about this. That our flesh, inside our flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good within us. Children do not have uh, native wisdom. They, they don't have wisdom uh, from their birth. It has to be taught unto them. It only comes through a process of growth and experience. That's how you have the wisdom you have. Because even though you tell your kids this and they don't believe you, but you say something like, I've been there and I've done that. So believe me. But they're not going to believe you because... Until they've been there and they've done that. And then they go, oh, you actually have been there. And you actually have done that. You actually do have wisdom. And we need to show our kids that we do have wisdom. And our wisdom needs to come from God and his word. Now, a young teen is simply not mature enough to be given his own cell phone and to be expected to use it the right way without close overwatch. And it doesn't matter how godly of a home you have or how godly of a child you have. If you give him a phone with complete full internet access and no way of, of looking over it or guiding or protecting him, you have no idea what he's doing, he's bound to harvest foolishness. And, and there are exceptions. It, there are some kids who have the maturity to overcome and to not succumb. But especially when they're involved with public school and they're around the world constantly, those influences will overcome them. So you would be very wise. You would be unwise to assume that they have the maturity to withstand. Because let's be honest, we as adults, we don't even have the maturity sometimes with the phones, with the internet that we have. So we'll keep these things in mind. A young person shouldn't... Now, th this, is, this is right from the material that I'm using. And he makes a statement here. A young person shouldn't own his own cell phone. But he should be allowed to use his parents. Say, so what does that mean? When my dad, when I first got my first cell phone, he reminded me often that it wasn't my cell phone. He bought the phone. He paid for the plan. He paid for everything. He said, here, Tim, you can borrow my cell phone. And he reminded me of that because the reason was, if I started acting up on it, he would say, give me my cell phone back. And I couldn't say, no, it's mine. Because we had established at the very beginning, it wasn't mine. It was his so there was no, this is mine, it's my private stuff. No, we established from the beginning, this is mine. I'm doing all the payments for it. This thing costs, most of your phones cost five to $1,000, $500 to $1,000 that you make in installments. Or sometimes they're less if you wait until uh, the phone is discontinued like I do. And then I get the phone. And uh, so you're 10 generations behind on phones. That's, that's how you do it, really, to be honest. But you're still costing lots of money. And I knew that it wasn't my phone. So if my dad ever said, uh, if he ever catches me, or I, if he tells me no texting past 10 o'clock, or don't go on the internet past, and if he catches me doing it, he'll say, give me my cell phone back. It's not mine. I have to give it to him. Oh, no, Dad, I promise it. Give it to me. And believe me, he said that statement many times, and I've had to give him his cell phone back. So this is just a technique, one, one way you can go about it. 
but it's very dangerous for them to for them to have that full and complete ownership of something that you have trouble even trying to contain yourself. Um, young people who fight against who fight against parental authority and rules are rebels against God and are already on the path to destruction. So when you see a rebellious spirit starting to take place, don't give up. Don't quit and say, "Oh, I'm too late." No, this is where you fight harder, and you fight harder before it grows into something that it shouldn't, all right? So there's so much more I could say, but we're just going to keep moving on. But understand this. Let, let the, your teens know, let your kids know that as a parent, you have the responsibility to know who and what they are communicating with. The cell phone is not a private diary. And as a parent, don't treat it like it's such. So that your kid's phone is not a private thing that only they could know about. No, there needs to be full transparency between you and your children as well. So number one, be in control. Be in control. Number two, have a basic phone or plan that teens can use when necessary. Now remember, these are protections. These are suggestions. I, these aren't things that I can enforce on you, but these are just suggestions. So I have a basic phone or plan that teens can use when necessary, okay? And now the te um, there are a couple ways of looking at this. Number one, now we live in a day and age where almost every phone, you almost have to have some form. I, I remember I was getting my phone, and this is actually the first phone that I have now that I actually have data on, and I got that last year. So I was 27, first time I had data on my phone. And otherwise, it was just Wi-Fi is all I had, which is still just as dangerous. But I remember I walked in, and I, ha I, I wanted, uh, I, can't, what I, I had the Samsung S, whatever. Uh, and I went in, and I'm not big on phones, so I'm not really sure. You could ask Tadala if that's a good phone or not later. But basically, I went in, and I said, I don't want a data plan. I just want it for uh, calling, texting, Wi-Fi. And he says, you can't. You can't do that. There needs to be some kind of a data plan. The minimum is uh, 200 megabytes. I was like, I'll take it. 200 megabytes. That's all I need. Plenty, right? It's not, it doesn't, it goes by really fast, I promise. But you have this data plan, and you can get a basic plan. You don't have to give your children 10 gigs of data for the month and say, no, be wise with it, okay? <laughs> they won't be wise with that, I promise you. Okay, so you don't have to give them uh, the best. In fact, you, you should aim to giving them the bare minimum, not because you don't love them, but because you love them, because you actually care for their soul. And, and you know, my son may make fun of me someday when, uh, what, 10 years from now, when I give him his first flip phone, and he's going to go, what is this? <laughs> what does it do? I said, I'll tell you what that does. It texts, it calls, and that's it. You don't need it, and it plays snake. And Snake is a great game. If you don't know how to play Snake, you've never lived. That's all you need to play. And I don't know how I'll be. I hope I'm something similar to that. But Romans 13, 14 says this. Uh, I would tell you if I had written it down. So I'll have to look it up for you really quick. Uh, Romans 13, 14 says, since I'm right here in Ephesians, Romans 13, 14 but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So don't make provision for your children to fall into their flesh. And I know there are, uh, there's, maybe you get a family plan and you get a great deal and your kids do have some data. I understand it's not a perfect situation. Um, so you use your, your proper judgment on it. But 
there are ways that you can prohibit internet access and say, well, nobody does that anymore. Yeah, it's because nobody loves their kids like you do. And your kids don't need to have full internet access. They don't need to have data. There are ways that you could disable Wi-Fi. You could disable these things and only be able to text and call. And that's all you really want them to have their phone for anyway, right? You don't want them to, here you go, son. I hope you spend 10 hours a day on YouTube. I just can't wait to see the results. Okay, nobody wants that. The reason you give them a phone is because you want to be able to get a hold of them, right? If you, uh, it's for emergency sake. And if your reason for, for giving them a phone is so that they could fit in with their friends, then your philosophy is off. So the reason, if your reason for giving them a phone is to fit in with their friends, then don't give them a phone. Because that's the worst way is for, you, for them to fit in with those kinds of friends. All right? So just keep these things in mind. You don't have to give them the greatest, the best technology. That doesn't prove your love for them. Proving your love for them is saving their soul, saving their flesh, forgiving them provision from the flesh. And they may not see that, which is where you have to come in and show the reason you're doing it. It's not because you hate them and you want them to be an outcast at school. It's because you love them and you care for them. And you don't trust their flesh, just like you don't trust your own. So this is where, the, this is where parenting comes in, uh, discipling comes in. Let's just move right, right along here to protection number three. Protection number three. Weigh every gift carefully. Weigh every gift carefully. Does that mean you need to have a scale and you weigh every gift you get at Christmas and say, nah, it's too, no, that's not what I mean. What do I mean by this? Parents and grandparents naturally want to give, their, give things to their children. I mean, I do. Uh, although right now, not as much because right now he's 10 months, 11 months old now and he has more clothes than I do. He has more toys than I do. And he doesn't play with any of his toys. His favorite toys are a ping pong ball and a hanger. And yet he's got a truck. He's got, uh, he's got all kinds of stuff that he has an entire, we're going to camp this Sunday and we're planning on packing now. And I have a suitcase. My wife has a suitcase. And Titus has the rest of the trunk of the car. He has his bed, he has his, his bouncer, whatever that does. He's got his push cart, and he's got his diaper bags, a lot of diapers. He's got wipes, he's got more stuff than we do. So I, I'm not really big into giving him gifts yet. But there's going to come a day where I'm going to want to spoil him. I'm going to want to. Even with my wife, if we have money, I want to, I want to spoil her. And that's normal. And that's, that's how a lot of times we show our love for our kids, is by giving them things. But weigh the gift that you give them carefully. Weigh that gift. We like to see them have friends and be popular. You, want your you don't want your kids coming home from school with no friends and a black eye. No. You want them to be liked and be popular. And that's natural. That's normal. But wise parents, wise grandparents, don't follow every natural instinct. They weigh every gift carefully in the light of God's word and the child's maturity. We don't, walk, we don't follow the way of pop culture. Grandparents joke about spoiling their grandkids, right? That's a big joke. Oh, I'm going to spoil you, and then I'm going to leave. You know, I'm going to pump you full of candy, and then I'm going to leave and let you uh, 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 destroy the house, just like you used to do to me, right? That's what, that's what they say. At least that's what mine say. Grandparents joke about spoiling their grandkids, but wise grandparents will not do anything to harm them. So the reason I say this is sometimes 
we feel like we have to show our love for our kids and or even gain their approval so we buy them the newest gadget, buy them the newest thing so, oh yeah, my dad's the coolest. Oh, my grandpa, he's the cool. Oh, I have the greatest uncle. He gave me a PlayStation 2, or sorry, <laughs> PlayStation 4. <laughs> I went back to my childhood there for a second. Man, I'm still young, I'm still young. Here we go, okay? So weigh every gift carefully. Uh, it's uh, 1 John 2, 16. I'm going to read this verse for you. 1 John 2, 16. You may beat me there. 1 John 2, 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So don't make provision for your flesh, for your kid's flesh. So weigh every gift you give them carefully. Pray about it. Pray about the gifts you give them when it comes to technology. And I cringe sometimes where I see a two-year-old, three-year-old come in and they're excited because they got their first iPad. And if you've done that, I've got nothing against it. And, that, and there are so many ways that you could, that you could protect them from it. And, there, and I'm sure you've done that. But I, just, I, would, I, would second, I would pray about that a little bit more. And when it comes to introducing them to technology, they're going to get introduced to it. So consider the age you want them to start on it. Uh, you, want, you don't want to nurture their appetite for the world. You want them to be centered and focused on the Lord. The, the evidence of success in this is when you take your kids or grandkids into a store and they don't beg for things. That's what you want, right? You, you've all heard it before. You're standing in the store. Mommy, I want that so much. And you're thinking, man, why don't you take that kid out and not take him out? But why don't you <laughs> put some fear of God into him, okay? And you're sitting in line and he's just wailing, screaming. The parents aren't doing anything. They're saying, now, now, Johnny, it's okay. It's fine. No, no, we're not going to. Okay, I'll, I'll, you're only going to get one thing now. And then they cater and they give it to him. And guess what? They scream, they cried, and they got their way. Are they going to do it next week? No, of course not. No, they got what they wanted. Of course they're going to do it again. They're going to do it even worse. So consider these things and consider the gifts that you give them and just pray about every little thing that happens. Protection number four. Protection number four. Know what is on the child's phone. Know what is on the child's phone. That could be a tablet, a laptop, at all times and have all the passwords. And I, I've already talked about this before, so I won't dwell on this. But I just wanted to reemphasize that uh, there should be no secrecy going on. You should have all the children's passwords. To be honest, they don't even really need a password. The only reason you might want one is if they lose it, then a stranger doesn't pick it up and they'll have access to all of their stuff. Okay? So in that case, it would be okay to have a password. But make sure if they do, that you know what it is. Okay? And same for you. If you have a password on your phone, uh, if you're a husband, your wife should have your password. If you're a wife, then your husband should have your password, vice versa. If you're a single child, or if, oh, I guess your parents should have your password. Never mind. Okay, so somebody should have your password. There needs to be accountability that takes place there. Okay, so I've already talked about this in times past, so let's move on to protection number five. Use every type of protection available. Use every type of protection available. And this isn't just for you or for your kids, it's for you as well. Now, I've talked about some of these before, and so I won't dwell on this too much, but I do want to give you a few 
Um, and there are so many now, it, there's, they're endless. In fact, there's people in here who know way more about this kind of stuff than I do. I see Robert back here, I see Devian. If you guys have any questions specifically, these guys can probably do it for uh, uh, much easier, much better than me. I'm just letting you know that there are things out here that can protect you, that can help you, that can, when it comes to filters, when it comes to uh, blocking things, okay? So I put, uh, you can put the first slide up. Here's a couple of things here that one of these I use personally, and it's real, uh, sorry for making it so small, but here's just some apps to consider. Now these, these, these ones cost money. I'm sure there's free ones out there. These are just ones that I've used personally in the, in the past. I know for sure that they work and they do well. But there are uh, my mobile watchdog. This is just an app that simply, um, it deals, this one can go with Android or iPhone, and it's basically a form of accountability app. And it, you could, it could block things, it can prohibit things. Uh, the time of day, you could cut inter internet off at a certain time of day if you want. You can block apps, you could do all kinds of stuff on it. There's Covenant Eyes. I've actually heard of a lot of pastors use this one a lot. We were down in, uh, I think I mentioned this before, but we were down to the Preacher's Delight Conference in January, and uh, Dr. Jim Shetler, he's, uh, he was preaching, and he's, uh, he's on staff at Lancaster Baptist Church, and he personally says, I use Covenant Eyes. This is an app that he uses, and it's an accountability app. Him and his two other sons, they all are in accountability with each other. So everything on their phone gets sent to each other, and they all know what they're doing on the internet together. And that's a good one. The one I use right now, and uh, Devin and I use this one, is Ever Accountable. I use it because it's half the price of Covenant Ice. It's the main reason, but it does very well. It's, uh, I can't remember, what is it, like six bucks a month or something like that? And what it does is it, it doesn't block anything, but it monitors everything. Every app, it monitors what your screen looks at, and when you flip over it, and uh, you get the log, it emails you, ours is every Friday morning is when the log comes in, and it, I don't have time to look, but it gives you you know, everything you've ever clicked on your phone, I mean, it's all there. And I wouldn't have time to look at it. So what it does is it gives you a summary at the very top of all the things that they've done. Uh, YouTube, spent this much time on it. Uh, uh, Google Chrome, you spent this much time on it. Boom, you spent this much time. And if there's any suspicious activity going on, then it'll, it'll say this is suspicious, and it'll give you kind of a, an idea of what it is, sort of, but not really, without telling you what it is. And it's just accountability, is all it is. And I encourage everybody should have something or some or some way. Uh, clean. In, I've actually never had this last one, cleaninter.net, but this one is just something else that it's, a, it's another kind of a filter that filters things. And you could put this on your kids' phones. And um, there, there is there's a lot that takes place here. Uh, if you guys go to the next next slide as well, there are there, and this is an, a lot of people just like to block certain apps. So you get your kid's phone and you say, I don't want you on YouTube. I don't want you on uh, Facebook or Instagram. I don't want you on these things. So you can go on and uh, for Android, for an Apple, I mean, you could actually have within, built within the phone. It's called the guided access. And you could actually just go in your kid's Apple phone and just uh, block any app you want. You could add your own password to it so they can't get into it. Um, there's variations of that for Android. One called, I like this one because it's called Sherlock. <laughs> Uh, from Sherlock. Yeah, anyway, uh, I just like that one. It's, a, it's uh, I think this one's, it's a yearly subscription. I think it's like, uh, I can't even remember. Oh, I think I wrote it down. 
This one's $40 for the whole year. And I think you could do as many phones as you want on this. You could do it for the entire family. And there's another one called Bitfender and a bit defender and another one for Android. Anyway, there's there's if you look up these apps for filtering for accountability, there's so many of them and they all claim to be the best. So you may have to do some research and you may have to do a little bit of uh, exploring yourself, but they're out there and use them. You have no excuse now. Make use all the protection that you can from yourself for your kids. Assume the worst and that way if that way you can help prevent the worst from happening. All right, there's a lot more I could say on this, but let's just continue on here. So protection number six. Protection number six. Don't let young people have phones or any such device when they are alone unsupervised. Unsupervised. Cell phones, tablets, laptops should be used only when parents allow and only when they are supervising their use, okay? Now, this is hard to do because you could have your, the kids could have their phone and be somewhere else, but there is ways to, to block activity. There is ways to, to prohibit it. And I recommend not allowing them to surf without your supervision. And if they are going to do so, have some way of knowing what they're looking at. Whereas Ever Accountable can come in, or uh, any of these other apps, and I like it because I, my phone's in my office. But every time I pull my phone up, you could uh, you know bring down the tab, and it, you know where your Facebook notifications might be and all that. And right there on the very bottom is uh, what is the phrase? Ever Accountable is monitoring. That's what it says, right? Ever Accountable is monitoring. Just like remember. I'm watching you, and you can't, you can't swipe. You can't get rid of it. It's just always there. I try to ah, get out of my way, but it's just there. And it's a reminder. You're being, you're being monitored. You're being watched. And not that I necessarily need that, but it's just a good reminder just to stay accountable to everyone else. And my wife has my account, and she, she, uh, I want her to know exactly what's happening in my life. Many young people have gotten into trouble by having unsupervised use of their devices. And this is not a new thing. Uh, one pastor, he, he gives his testimony here of how he himself got pulled into the world when his father, who was a pastor, let him have a radio when he was a kid. Okay, so this pastor is much older than I am. And his dad gave him his radio. And he used to listen to it at night. And on the radio, he began to find, he found a couple stations where music was playing that wasn't appropriate. And all it took was a few songs to pull him into the world. And he spent years trying to get his kid back in case he's a pastor now so praise the lord he found the lord again but that was just from music that god pulled him away that the devil pulled him out and if the devil can use a radio what do you think the devil could do with those phones with the full access to the internet it's a scary world that we live in we need to be careful even with uh, when it comes to MP3 players, or if those even exist anymore, you have uh, um, iPods, or most people just use their phones now for music. And transferring music can be done so easily now. You don't uh, CDs are extinct now, and everything's just digital. You just download it all, and it's so easy for teens to pass music on their phones or on their whatever they have, and to listen to the wrong stuff. So you need to find a way to monitor and to know what's taking place. And if you have a good relationship with them, it won't be hard for them to be transparent with you. 
So keep these things in mind and make sure that you're supervising them somehow, some way. There was a time where your family might have one computer and you could just, the pastors would preach and say, put your only computer right in the middle of the living room. That way everybody can see what's going on on the screen. But I can't say that anymore because <laughs> uh, every phone is a computer now. And a lot of homes don't even have computers anymore because the phones are faster than computers in a lot of cases. All right, protection number seven. Do not allow unauthorized conversations with members of the opposite sex. Do not allow unauthorized conversations. Now, I, I preach this to the teens to blue in the face. And I can preach this all I want, and i got camps coming up, and I've already got a message on this for them, on the, the danger of speaking to the opposite gender. And I want to scare them away from it so that uh, nothing happens. And that's part of my job as a youth pastor, but that's even more so your job as well. And you may not realize this, and I've already tried to, I've already given you a story on how easy it is to start talking to a stranger. And uh, if you remember the story, I told you how somebody uh, commented on something that I had done, and I didn't know who, I thought I knew who they were, and it was small talk, and then they started asking me intimate questions, and it happened in a matter of seconds. And luckily, I blocked, I got rid of it, I showed my wife, I wanted to make sure that I was clean hands and nothing was had, and that happened in seconds. And if that could happen to me, and I, I thought I knew better, I thought I knew that I could, that, that wouldn't happen to me, it can and does happen to your kids. Strangers are always trying to contact them, always trying to like their posts, always asking them questions. And especially when it comes to the opposite gender, you need to, you need to stop that. Even if, and, and this, is, this may sound harsh, but even if it's somebody in the church, somebody, another person, maybe they're the same age and they're later on in years, and maybe they kind of like each other, maybe they don't, maybe they're just friends, whatever the case is. And not that, you, you, not that they're not allowed to speak to them ever, but should they be texting the opposite gender at 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning? No, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be talking to anybody at 12, 2, 1, 2, 3 in the morning. They should, be, they should be talking to people in their dreams, maybe, but not in real life. They need to be sleeping at that time. And I can't tell you how easy it is to, to text, uh, text a friend. And I remember when I had 50 texts a month. Did you guys ever have that? Did you ever have that, a plan? Where you had like, all right, I had my phone plan, and I was allowed 50 texts a month, and that was a huge deal. I was like, wow, 50 texts? This is incredible. And that, those are the days where you would make the most of every text that you sent. They were the longest thing. If you had three extra characters left, you'd fill them up with something, because you only had 50 texts. And I remember at night, knowing I only had 50, and... There was a, a girl in the youth group that I, we, uh, we, we kind of liked each other. I was, in, I was graduating from high school. I was getting close. And I just remember every night thinking, I just want to send her a message, see if she'll reply back. And I would. And then she did. And, that's, and it, it, anything could start like that. It, started, it could start out innocent, but it can progress from there. And I'm just letting you know how simple and easy it is. And if you have no idea what your kids are doing at night, if they have their phones in their rooms, I guarantee you they've been up at night messaging. Not, not that they've been doing things wrong, but it could easily lead to something. 
1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not, the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Genesis 34 and verse 1, And Dinah, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. So here's a girl who went out to see, the, to try to make friends of the world. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the, the, uh, Hiv, the Hivite, Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And that happened from a girl who was innocent. She was just trying to make friends out in the world. And guess what? It ended very negatively for her. Now, obviously, exceptions of brothers and sisters, but even be careful with other relatives as well. Cousins, aunts, and uncles. Uh, uh, specifically, cousins, uh, especially if you have family members that aren't saved, even allowing them to text each other late at night. You, just, you, have, to, you have to take the extra mile and, and protect. You have to be careful. And I, I, don't, I don't want to... If you start telling your kids they can't text their cousins, what are, their, what are your family going to think? Are they going to ostracize you? And you have to do it graciously and lovingly to not uh, separate yourself from your family completely. But when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for your kid. You have to do what's best for you. And it may take some courage to do so, but it, can't, but it needs to be done. Um, I have a whole list of, of uh, testimonies and stories I could read uh, on this topic, on how unsupervised teenagers or even young adults, um, I've, got, I've got about four or five stories here of somebody, of uh, a guy and girl who were, they started messaging each other across, across the ocean. Uh, this, this girl in particular was from Nepal, and she started messaging, uh, this is on Facebook, somebody in, in, um, uh, in America. And it started out as just a nice, you know, they had never met each other, nothing like that. It started out great. It started out nice. And before you know it, they ended up, uh, and, and a lot of their counsel was against it. They ended up meeting each other, and it seemed like a happy thing. And eventually, they, they got married. And a few months later, the guy uh, left her for another woman just down the street. And uh, the rest is history. And you've heard thousands of stories like this. I'm sure you have. And... Uh, yeah, I have a story here from uh, happened to a, a pastor. This is before he was a pastor. He was in Bible college. He wanted to serve God, and he started messaging. I uh, started texting with somebody across the ocean. Never met him before. Got into a relationship and became. And luckily, he got out of it just in time. But it almost completely destroyed his his ministry. And had he gone all the way, had he messed up, he would not have been the pastor that he is today. Another pastor says he had a he had. Uh, so a kid and his, uh, one of his kids had a phone that didn't have a SIM card in it, so he bar, he, every night he would borrow a SIM card from his friend who had an extra one at school. So his parents had no idea he was even on the internet, how he was even texting other people, and that turned very sour for them. And I've got many other stories, but I'm just saying, be careful, especially when it comes to the opposite gender. Be very, very careful on what you allow and uh, what you do. Protection number eight. Do not allow any 
Now this is very generic, okay? So I'll specify it. But do not allow any worldly things. Worldly things. Say, Pastor Tim, that's impossible. Everything is worldly. Everything you look at. I know, I know. Just uh, stay with me here, okay? There is a great pressure today for parents to lighten up, to be cool, to be buddy-buddy with their friends, buddy-buddy with their kids, to uh, dress like them, to get a hairstyle like them, whatever seems cool, to be hip, to be this, to be that. And that's kind of the thing right now, is parents, they got to stay young, and they got to be cool, so the kids think they're cool, and that's how you can keep a cool relationship with your kid. No, that's not, that's not parenting. What do you think God's Word says about this kind of mentality? The mentality to not be so strict and to be more cool. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, in verse 26, the Bible says, Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, for thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Psalms 101, in verse 3, says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Proverbs 4, 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Ephesians 5, 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I have seven more verses I won't read for you. And that's just a uh, beginning. And our world is telling parents to calm down, lighten up, and not be so strict. And once you start lessening your standards and you start allowing a little bit of the world to come in, just because you're trying to be cool, you're letting sin infiltrate your home. You have to be strict. And f before you're a friend to your kids, you're a parent. And, and that's hard sometimes. And that's even hard for me as I'm studying this. And it, it's okay to be their friend. You want to be their friend. You want to be their best friend. But before you're their best friend, you're their parents. You're to shepherd them. You're to guide them. You're to protect them. And even if that means not being quite as cool as they would want you to be. The essential biblical principles must be applied to all content, books, television, music, videos, the internet. Parents must do everything possible to keep their children unplugged from pop culture because it will stir up worldliness and rebellion. The pop culture with its sensual music, immodest fashion, self-centered philosophy, and focus on entertainment is a powerful magnet for our fallen flesh. And countless young people in Christian homes have been drawn away by its siren songs. Today we have a day and age where pop culture is just exploding and every kid is into it. And parents are into it as well because they're trying to relate and be relevant with their kids. But that is not, that is, pop culture is pulling your kids away from God. There is not one song in pop culture that will bring your kid closer to God. Oh, well, so-and-so claims to be a Christian and they use God and Jesus in some of, their, in their, some of their lyrics. Have you ever read some of the lyrics, the songs that are coming out today? I hope some of you don't even have to worry about that. But it is not good. There is nothing good that comes out of pop culture. Many times parents get their children wrapped up in the things of this world. The parents are concerned about their children loving the Lord but they are just as concerned with their kids playing organized sports, 
becoming popular, becoming fashionable, seeing the latest movies, making a lot of money, having the newest video game system, acquiring every type of technology without proper accountability. And we're, it's not balanced. We want you to serve God, but we load them up with the world as well. And we wonder why they start slipping away over time. Because there's not a proper balance in the home. What are we sowing? What kind of seeds are we sowing? Letter A, under this uh, protection A, letter A, parents should consider unplugging their children from the public school. Now, I'm not going to dwell on this, okay? This is uh, part of the curriculum that uh, we have given to you here. But there is so little God in public schools today. Now, I understand there are certain circumstances that you can't help it. Both parents are working. Kids got to go somewhere. I totally understand that. And I understand that private schools are not cheap. They're expensive. Okay? So I'm not saying you have to pull your kids out of public school now. I just want you to be aware that in a public school, chances are your kid and maybe one or two others, maybe the only Christians, true Christians in that entire school of two, three, four, five hundred, or double that. Uh, I know for a fact, and there are even times where in a, in a school, other kids will claim to be Christians, but the language they use and the conversation they speak about, you would never know had they not told you. And even after they told you, you're still questioning whether they are or not. And the influences in, in public schools are against God. There are so few that are standing up and making a difference. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seats of the scornful. We have to keep going on here. Um, number, there's a lot more I could say about this kind of things, but uh, I don't want to skip too far ahead here. One, one thing I want to point out is in, in public schools, and honestly, in Christian schools too, I went to a Christian school for one year and I had, a pretty neg I had some ungodly influences there as well. It was an open enrollment but parents, you can take your kids to church every time the doors are open, but how long are they in church for throughout the whole week? Maybe five hours in the whole week? Maybe five, six hours? And how much time are they spending in school? Learning about evolution, learning about psychology and secularism, learning about immersing themselves in things that are anti-God. Probably at least 30 hours they're in school. Not, not all school is bad, of course. A lot of it is good. They need it. But they're involved in this mentality so much. And church gets them a couple hours a day, a couple hours a week. So it's up to the parents to make up the difference, to challenge them. And most of your kids are in public school, which means you have a greater uh, challenge ahead of you to make sure that your kids are staying faithful to God. Next, number B, parents must unplug the children from pop music. Must unplug the children from pop music. I already kind of talked about this, and I have a whole list of some lyrics of music, and I won't go into any of them, but the, 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 the music of pop culture today is wicked. It's wicked. Drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it, it's in here. Uh, the swearing, the language, the words, it's all in there, and it's all the number one chart list, the number, the number 20 songs uh, that are out there right now that kids are listening to. And I assume and hope none of, none of ours are. But I wouldn't doubt if some of them have at least heard and listened and been influenced by it. All of them 
Uh, most of them have reference to drugs, to alcohol. They all have swearing. Nothing in there has anything to do with God, and it's not a society you want your kids living in. Let's see. Parents must unplug the family from television. Television. Three major influences that will steal your kids away from God are public school friends, the wrong kind of music, and television. Now, television isn't as big as it was even 10 years ago. Netflix is out there today. Uh, our family doesn't have television. We don't have cable or anything, but we do have Netflix. And honestly, you could spend just as much or even twice as much time on Netflix than you can on TV. And there's nothing even better than it. Netflix has so much garbage on it that it's almost just as bad, if not worse, than television itself. Keep these things in mind. We must learn to unplug our kids from this kind of technology. Not that it has to be completely unplugged, but find ways. My wife and I have already actually, we've talked about uh, giving up internet for a month or two and seeing what happens, seeing what, what we do at home and how things will go. And we're really considering it. I have my family coming in uh, this a little bit next month, and we're thinking of trying it maybe in September. Maybe you could do it with us, seeing what happens. Oh, I could never go a month without Wi-Fi. Pastor Tim, are you insane? I am, actually. I am, I've been called that before. Um, letter D, parents must unplug the family from anything that hinders the spiritual and moral life. Letter D, they must unplug the family from anything that hinders there's a story here of a pastor who sits down with his children. He has six boys, and he'll take them fishing uh, one, one boy at a time, just to spend time with them. And each time he's out, he'll ask them the same question. Is there anything inside our home that hinders your walk with God? Is there anything in our home, any movie that we have, any, anything that I watch, anything that I've said, is there anything in our home? And the first time he asked that, one of his boys said, uh, he mentioned a John Wayne movie that they used to watch. Some of you probably don't know who that is. I think most of us do. And to the dad, he thought, well, John Wayne, what's wrong with John Wayne? John Wayne's good. John Wayne's a cowboy. He's a good guy. He, 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 gets, he gets the bad guy. He gets the girl in John Wayne. He's good. But the son could see something that the dad didn't see. Because adults, we get calloused to sin. We see it so much, we don't even notice John Wayne. And one of the things was, is John Wayne was kissing a girl at the very end of the movie. And he was not married to that girl. And that's very true. In any movie nowadays, uh, who's married anymore? Marriage is down the drain. And the kid didn't understand why his dad was watching that when two unmarried people were kissing each other. And dad said, that's a good point. And he got rid of every John Wayne movie he had. And say, well, that's crazy. I think he just loves his kids. So do your best. Challenge yourself to unplug anything that may hinder them. Protection number nine. Let's get through this quickly. Understand the power of pornography. Understand the power of pornography and do everything possible to keep your children away from it. Now, we've talked about this already a little bit before. But these, some statistics may scare you. Pornography makes up nearly 40% of the total content on the Internet. 40% of the Internet's content. Nearly 25% of internet searches are about pornography. Over 50% of boys and 30% of girls view or first viewed pornography before the age of 13. A study in the UK in 2013 found that 50% of 18-year-olds have received nude pictures from someone in the past. 
Nearly 70% of boys and a majority of girls have seen homosexual activity online. Nearly 70% of young adult men and about 20% of young adult women view pornography at least once a week. And about 55% of divorce cases involved one party having an obsessive interest in porn pornographic websites. And I had many more statistics I could have given you. I'm just trying to get through the, the lesson now. But do everything in your power to prevent yourself from getting caught up in this and your children. Protection number 10. Beware of social media. Beware of social media. I was just showed a, a video recently on some of the... Uh, one of them was a former president of Facebook. Another one was uh, somebody who was in charge of the marketing. And these are the guys that first... One of the guys that were in the room that made Facebook what it is today. And these guys... I was going to show you a clip, but I knew I wouldn't have time. And one of the guys, one of the presidents said, literally when they were in their room figuring out how they could make money, they, told, they were talking to themselves saying, how do we get people addicted to something that can get, get us money? What kind of addiction can we create? And they began to study psychology and people's hearts and lives and began to feed on people's psychology. And what they began to realize was people want to be liked. People want to be liked. So they began, they created the concept of liking someone's page. And when somebody sees a like, they like it. So what do they do next time? They do something a, a different to get more likes. And we live in a society today where people are doing everything they can to get liked, to get a comment, to get a, a, a praise, to get a this. And they say, uh, uh, MySpace, though it doesn't really exist much anymore, was one of the first uh, people to come out, uh, what, what made the, uh, the selfie popular. And selfie seems like something harmless, you know, taking a picture of yourself. But the concept of the selfie was to get likes. The more likes you get, uh, and what young people are portraying themselves is the, pretty, the prettier you are, the more likes you'll get. And it's caused a lot of depression in humanity today. And there's people who have quit that one of the presidents, former presidents of Facebook, he has quit his job, come out of it, because he, is, he has seen how he has destroyed society. And those are his words, how we are ripping the fabric of our society apart. And I was a part of it. And he's ashamed of what he's done. And just beware of social media. Now, I'm not saying get rid of it. I have it myself. But there, you need to learn how to do it and how to not let it affect your life or your kid's life. But I guarantee you it's already affected your kid's life uh, in one way or another. Protection number 11, be careful about video games. Yes, be careful about video games. Now, I hesitated to talk about this because I'm just going to be very candid with all of you here. I was born in the 90s when PlayStation 1 came out, and I was obsessed with it. My parents waited and waited for me to be mature before I got it, and as soon as they gave it to me, they realized how immature I was. <laughs> I, well, I, all I wanted to do was play video games. And there is one thing that they started to notice about video games. And as much as I hate to admit it, it is so true. When, after I would play video games one afternoon, the next day, I was a little bit different. I, my attitude was a little bit different. For, I don't know how to explain it. And I actually have testimonies of parents who have the same experience. I, I, was, I have about 13 or 14 here. I'm not going to read them, of course. But how uh, when they let their kids play video games for an extended period of time, their attitude begins to change. 
it, it, it alters somehow. And you wouldn't notice unless you lived with them, unless you knew them well. But they begin, and as my mom would say, I got just a little bit lazier the more I'd play. I got a little less careless about important things. And I began to do everything I could so I can get back to playing that game. And even today, I'm not going to, I'll be honest, I still play from time to time. I sometimes will have, uh, I haven't done it, I don't think I've done it this year, but I think last year we had a time once where some guys got together and uh, we played some game that I was really bad at because I don't play anymore. And, but it, it was trying to reminisce and it's still kind of a, a way to get out, but just be careful about them, especially, uh, especially the games that are out there. They don't make games for some reason anymore that doesn't have swearing in it, that doesn't have uh, blood, nudity. There are some, but when it comes to these war games, and as fun as they are, believe me, I, I, I wish I didn't enjoy playing them, but I do, but I can't play them because of the language on them, because God's name is taken in vain constantly, and it's so hard, and it's almost either you have to just get rid of it or just accept it, and you tell me which one you should do. So just keep these things in mind and just protect and guard and see, make sure you know what they're playing. Last thing here and we're done. Protection number 12. Monitor the young person's attitude and character. Monitor the young person's attitude and character and be ready to do whatever is necessary to correct the problem. Now I just started talking about this Video games changes attitudes. Social media changes attitudes. The amount of time they spend on YouTube, watching television, it changes the attitude of your child. You take, and I have so many testimonies here of people who have done what, who have done the crazy, and they said, you know what? For this month, we're getting rid of television. We're getting rid of internet in our home. We're just going to be a family, and. I have a statistic here. I think it says 45% of those people who chose to get rid of, of internet and television activity for a month never went back because they saw such a change in their kid's life. They saw a change in their own life. They would come home because you know, what happens is dad comes home from work and hey, I'm guilty of this too. And I say, oh, I just got to unwind. So how do they unwind? Play with the kids? Play a board game? Go to the park and play? No, how do we unwind? Where's the remote? Give me that remote. I'm just going to unwind for a second. And then four hours later, your kid's in bed. You didn't get to spend time with them. And it happened. And parents that have gotten rid of that, they don't go back because they realize, wow, there's so much more I can do with my life. Wow, I don't actually have to unwind for four hours every night. Wow, I could actually unwind playing with my kids. And it's amazing what our attitude adjustments can be if we as parents will just be willing to make the adjustment or at least be willing to try. And I have these testimonies. I won't read them. We don't have time. But uh, we can close with this. Is, like I said, there's, more, there's much more we can talk about, but I hope the information that was given at least gives you some food for thought, some things to consider and some areas where you can change in your life. Maybe you're not a parent yet. Maybe, maybe you're, you're young and you're wanting to become one soon. Start establishing some principles now in your life that you could start implementing in your family. And I hope and pray that through all the information we've given today in the last couple of weeks, that there's something that we can take home, something that we can determine to change. Even if it's just putting a simple protection app on your phone, 
something to protect your family. And let's just protect ourselves because let's, let's not make provision for the flesh. Because if you do, your flesh will win every time. It will, it will conquer the spirit. And we must not give the spirit a chance to be weakened by the flesh. And the internet, it's, it's a very dangerous tool. But at the same time, it's an amazing tool. The information that's out there. But we, at the same time, we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our kids just yet. And we need to do our part so that one day when they're old enough, they'll have the maturity to take the principles you've established in their life, turn around, and do it even better with their kids. To be even a better parent than you were. And that starts right now with how we treat and how we respond now. So let's uh, conclude all these things with prayer. And if you do have any questions about anything, I'd love to try to help you with it. If it comes to apps or finding something, and when I don't know the answer, I'll direct you to Devian or Robert or somebody who knows more about phones than I do. But uh, let's pray. Thank God for today. And then actually, I'm going to be turning the service over to, uh, to Devian for prayer time. And then we'll uh, continue.